So when was the last time you cried? Oh, actually, it was yesterday. It was last night. Why did you cry? Because we went to Moulin Rouge. I mean, that show was so spectacular. And it was not just the dancers, because these dancers were, they were so professional and they were really amazing. But they had this, like, it was kind of this Cirque du Soleil vibe, because yeah. there were some uh, numbers in between there, which was just, it, it was so amazing. And I'm just always so impressed, of course, by dancers, because, you know, we both, we've done that. So we we know that feeling, what it requires. But then these these artists that were doing these performances, was, it was just so amazing. And I'm always so moved. I couldn't hold it back. I was ugly crying at one moment. <laughs> I saw that. Clapping and I was like, it was amazing. Yeah, so that was my last time. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. A podcast about being a woman today. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the mad. This his best friends talking. What about you? When was the last time you cried? That was also... I cried a little bit, not much in this show, but it was really beautiful. But that was on the plane on the way here to Paris. We're in Paris right now. And when I sat down to wait for the plane to get ready to take off i read the news and then i found out that queen elizabeth was dead and then i started crying actually mm. may she rest in peace may she rest in peace mm. and i think also another reason that i was crying is because i was quite emotional because i just left my children to go to this weekend and i've never been away like this before from them so how old are they now five and too. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm so grateful that we are here because We've we been have planning sort this of, for a long time. We have been planning this sort of <clears throat> for about 15 years because we were like in our mid 20s and then we had this idea that you know in the far away future when we are 30, that's when we're going to go to Paris together. <laughs> but then what happened was that I got pregnant the year I was 30. Yeah. But then I got pregnant again. And then within that time frame before my youngest was three, then you got pregnant first time, and then you got pregnant again, and now your youngest is just over two. Yeah, just two and, two and, a, and half. a half. Yeah. yeah, and now about fifteen years later, we made it to Paris. Yeah, but we're finally here. It's amazing. We've already been eating so much good food, and yeah, it's just been it's just really nice to spend this time together. It's very it's very unusual that we get to spend this much time together. Just that now. is very unusual, yeah. yeah. And what is really funny, I think, I mean, we've been friends since we were five, but we constantly keep talking. It's like a never ending, like there's always something new yeah. that needs to be talked about. <laughs> Life happens. But can you tell me a little bit more? Because I remember how it was for me when I started to go away for little trips from my children. I was always very stressed before I left. And I very often, even though I knew that, you know, they would be taken well care of, there were other, but I just was, I was just, I felt stressed, uh, even though I knew they were right. So how has that been for you? It's been stressful a little bit because it's just the feeling of, you know, it's, you hope it's going to be okay, especially the smallest one. And then of course she got sick. So that was bad luck. Yeah. 
I mean, I th- so it hasn't gone super well. But I think they have managed it. Yes, of course they have. And I think, you know, for the children, is there are many aspects of this that the mother is leaving. It's just, first of all, they, it's healthy for them to experience that and to experience that it's fine, even though the mother is not there or the primary kid or the person that they're mostly with the first few years. Um, so they just need to experience that there's no catastrophe, even though yeah. mom is not there. And then also to experience the, to feel safe with the father and uh, the grandparents, you know, whoever is with the children at that time. So for me, that was, it's easy to say, like, I just need to, to ha- it's fine, I can just go and have this little time off. But it's just, you're so involved in your head, you're so engaged and yeah. close connected to your children that it's, you can't help it, you know, yeah. your, your mind is kind of flips back to that. Yeah, I yeah. just hope, I just get this fear that she's going to be traumatized now that she thinks that I left her or something. Yeah. But it will be fine. It's easier with the five-year-old because you can explain stuff to him. Yeah, yeah, he understands. Yeah. yeah, it's a trip. Yeah. They're growing up. But we're going home tomorrow, so that's going to be nice to, yeah. to see them. So what do you think um, about this guy in Norway that's a part of the Norwegian? I mean, it's not a part of the Norwegian family, royal family, but he's kind of, he's going to be because he's going to marry the Norwegian princess. Dr. Luisa. Yes. And what's his name? Shaman Durek. Shaman Durek. Is that his actual name? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Is his name Shaman? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, no, 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 du- no, it's Veret, Durek Veret. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think, okay. yeah, he's not Shaman Durek, no, no, no. Durek Veret okay. or Veret Durek. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm very confused. Well, that Everybody guy just anyway. calls him Durek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. And there was an article the other day about, because there's always this, like, uh, controversy around him. Yeah. And because he's this typical L.A., dude and spiritually sort of he's very outspoken about the spiritual life and and really lives that in a way that's his lifestyle yeah, he's been writing a book and where he claims that you can think you can bring cancer on to yourself yeah. by thinking yeah or something like that that's obviously very that's hurt, very controversial a hurtful thing to say yeah to a lot of people that has since Yes. That have experienced cancer, for example, or... It's very arrogant or ignorant, I think. But then there was the other day article where he's trying to defend himself. Yes, of course, I believe in school medicine. And that's not, you know, what I'm trying to say. I just like, I I believe in both. I I don't understand quite where it goes wrong, to be honest. I think it's just, I think that she, she has, Marta Luis hasn't trained him in or explained to him how the Norwegian people work. Yeah. And how they think and how they live. And how do the Norwegian people so work? How to, if she should have maybe, or she could have uh, perhaps uh, explained to him, you know, this comment or this or this is not going to go too well here in Norway. People are not going to react in a positive way. No. Because it's, a, and they are now saying that themselves to defend themselves. like Or yeah. he's saying that it's a culture shock and 
he's probably right, you know, because in LA, you could just people just talk and talk and no one even listens anymore because people are talking so much about this and this. And yeah. But in Norway, it's more like if you say something, people listen and they actually pay attention. And yeah, but I get it because I've been in the, you know, the spiritual community globally or internationally. So I know kind of the ambience and the attitude there. So what I always found tricky because I have a foot in each camp in a way because I come from... Um, I'm a trained clinical psychologist, but then I've also been very in depth in the, in the spiritual and yoga community. So, so I have partaken in many of these discourses, so to speak. But what I always found challenging is that the people in this sort of modern contemporary spiritual community that have this opposition towards school medicine because they do express it pretty clearly for example uh, i'm going to go into a very difficult topic here we're not going to discuss it but the anti-vaccines for example mm -hmm. so the thing is that they they can express a huge opposition towards school medicine in this sense but then i know that a lot of these people also take a lot of drugs for example so then i don't personally i don't get it because it's like how can you how can you distrust something that has been trialed and researched but then you don't oppose putting into your body and exposing your brain to chemicals that you don't even know what it's composed i'm like i don't get that argumentation it's like it's very no it doesn't fascinating. make sense You agree, right? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So so that I feel that's a little bit sort of where he's also like he's moving in a in an area which is a bit like he wants both. He says, yeah, I believe in both, but I don't believe in both. And it's like, it's unclear for me what's going on there. Whenever you're you're going into, it's like Meghan Markle when she joined the royal family. In yeah. England. She, she maybe should have done some more research before she but, entered but, into this world because if she... It seems pretty obvious that when you are going into that kind of family, you have to restrain yourself a little bit. Maybe don't say everything on your mind freely yeah. in the press because that's that kind of goes without saying. I think everyone should understand that. Even if the royals are evolving and modernizing, they still have to have some sort of uh, dignity. Yeah, but I think you have you're making a good point here because there's something that has shifted, of course, because now, like Megan and. It's like Shaman they don't Duri. have any respect for the royals. No, but, and the other thing here is that they are millennials, so to speak, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, I don't know, but they're in this, this paradigm, right? And this paradigm says to be transparent with how you feel, your mental health, you share everything kind of, that's how you, you brand yourself in a way. But then the royal families, they are the complete opposite. That's like so old school where they are they're only representing through a role. So that's exactly what you're saying is that it's not a culture shock like United States versus Norway. It's about these royal families and how they represent themselves in their work. And their it's like uh, Queen Elizabeth said, Never explain, never complain. Yeah. And Megan and Durek are doing the opposite. They're doing the opposite. They're over-explaining and over-complaining. I think Megan, yeah. she's always complaining about everything. Yeah, so what, what advice would you give to her if you were like someone that could give her some advice? I think she should just calm down. Whenever they are talking, they're complaining about getting too much attention. And it's the same thing with uh, Durek. Yeah. But then he's he's the one who's making it he's happen. He's seeking attention, yeah. So that's... Contra they don't want attention? Well, don't start a podcast. <laughs> 
where you complain about everything. Yeah. That's what did she, you do that? No, she did it. She, she did just that. started a podcast. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's yeah, they're doing both. But she wants to be this philanthropist or, you know, this kind of, pre- she wants to have this role. But she, so now what she's doing now, I think she's, she's doing what she thought it would be like to be a royal to be to be representing good causes and so now she's doing it in her own way so in one way it's good for her you know she's just doing whatever she wants she doesn't care <laughs> but but she doesn't have any respect for, uh, for anything else she's yeah, just for doing the what, crown no she's just doing what she wants so you have respect for the crown you lived in london yes i think also that's why i was so sad when yeah. queen elizabeth died because i did live there and she's a very important part of the british culture and to mm. the british people and they have been going through some rough times lately so yeah this was very sad i yeah it also came very surprising on me not that i am such a royalist in any like i'm not you know i know when you lived in london you talked more about the royal family there because obviously you live there so you were exposed to that kind of media all the time but uh, after watching The Crown, which is a very cool series, I love anything like historical. Yeah. And even though there might not be it's all pretty, correct stuff. It's but pretty accurate. Yeah. But it's like, it's just fascinating to see, and to f- especially about Elizabeth, how she embodied that role that she just was, she, she couldn't choose. She it's, had to do it. I think it's something really nice about what she did. She just did it 100%. And yeah. That's what's the most important. She really had her focus. Yeah. And nowadays, it seems like everyone is just all over the place. And what I feel when I heard that she passed, I thought, okay, now the last true royal have have passed because, in the same sense that she has done, she really has uphold all these traditions. Yeah. That was a big point she made. It's something very reassuring and and nice about someone who can you can always rely on it's fascinating you know and the symbolism around her as a persona right queen elizabeth of england like wow how did she 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 did that she She really did it yeah So how has alternative medicine worked for you? Oh my god. <laughs> um Do you have try have you ever tried alternative medicine? No, what what do you mean? Or alternative uh, healing or You know what comes to mind now? Something that happened and that's something that I realized retrospect obviously that's what usually happens. <laughs> but so once upon a time, a few years ago, there was a wave of this norovirus. So that's there was a variation of this that was very aggressive, where you get like stomach. It's a very bad stomach flu and fever. And can you get vaccinated? For, I'm not sure. I'm no. not sure. But anyway, what happened was that one of my children got it, and then I got it, which is always what happens. But what happened was that I didn't realize that it was this very aggressive stomach flu and I was laying for I think it was four or five days and I was constantly uh, throwing up and you know I was it, it was horrible and of course the rest of the family they kept in a different floor because mm-hmm. they didn't want to get exposed so what happened was that on day four or five 
the cleaning lady came up there and she found me and I was so dehydrated and it was horrible. And so they didn't check on you or? Well, I guess there was a little, yeah, because yeah, alternative medicine. So what happened was that my partner at that time uh, was of course very concerned, but what happened was that he invited a a healer to come Hmm. to me. That didn't help because I mean, seriously, it was coming out always all the time. And I was, I had a high fever. It was not a successful session, to put it like that. So what did the healer do? I think he just kind of held his hands over me. I didn't, I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention, to be honest. <laughs> and But what I realized afterwards, so this cleaning lady come and she found me and then she ran to, she gave me, I think she had brought her own lunch, it was like a lentil soup. And she came, she gave me her lunch. She was so, she couldn't speak the language, but she just looked at me. She was, I just saw the fear in her eyes. And she came up with this lentil soup and I could just have a few bites. It was salty. So I was like, oh, finally salt. I was like, and then when I got a little bit better, I started to read the news in the Norwegian newspapers. And I saw that all over the, in Europe, there had been this very aggressive virus and that the emergency unit had been full because people were so ill. And I realized that that I, I, I should have I should have been in the emergency unit because you're not supposed to, like if you're on your day two where it's coming, it's like, it's dangerous. So that pissed me off. Like I said, I have like one foot in each camp, but everything to its time. And I always say that spirituality, however you define it, is something very private. It's up to each individual to define what they find meaningful about it, but it cannot be used as, uh, it cannot... um, substitute school medicine no it's something that i'm like that that's not what it is you know and i think that's when you get start to have this opinion and i also think because that's also something i have reacted a lot to when i've been in these spiritual communities that these people that are i'm generalizing now so i'm sorry if i offend someone i'm just trying to make a point something that is puzzling to me is that so they are very opposed to this school medicine and they talk very negative about the people that work there as if they are stupid, as if they are ignorant in one way or the other, as if they don't know the whole picture, as if they do not look at, at humans as a whole. It's like it's very fragmented. And I also think that's very it's very judgmental. And I think that already shows that if you have that attitude, then you are that's a big paradox. Because then you don't understand that the people that work in, in school medicine and, and healthcare, how can you say something like they are people? I know a lot of those people and they are so um, caring and they have, of course, like every person have nuanced thoughts and perspectives. They see everyone as a whole and now work with fantastic colleagues in um in a inpatient unit and the, everyone that works there, the nurses, the, the, the social workers, uh, the doctors, yeah, they practice school medicine in that sense. But that is, and I always repeat this is uh, what it means is that we have a, a, a common language around illnesses and, and issues. So that is school medicine. That's one thing. The other thing is this part of research that it needs to be validated and reliable and the reason for this is because patients have rights. And that is what I think many people don't understand is that we that are licensed healthcare workers, we have laws that we need to oblige to because 
in the protection of the patients, because exactly for this reason of these alternative medicines, people have no rights. If something goes wrong, if they're mistreated, if they're promised something that they don't get, they cannot seek help for that or or uh, get support like I was mistreated. But that is what you get when you're in school medicines, that you are protected, right? So you can go and say, I, I don't think my doctor gives me the treatments that I like, or my psychologist is not, you know, so you, you it, it's in the patient's favor. And I think that's, I just, oh, I get so engaged. Like this is, I'm very, I feel a lot around this, you know, and I think it's, it's possible to see both sides, you know, but like I said, the, the biggest point is that everything to its time, you know, and the context and the, the issue at hand, you know. Yeah, back to Durek and his statement that you think yourself to cancer, that's like, that's extremely ignorant. Yeah, and hurtful to a lot of people who has lost loved ones to cancer. Yeah. Did you have any experience with alternative medicine? Never. I'm not inclined to seek up <laughs> alternative treatment. That's not for me. Okay. I'm skeptical. But I wouldn't, I mean, I have never been sick so in that, like, seriously ill. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that if you are, then probably you're, I can understand people, they want to be get well, so they do anything. Yeah. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But no. the, the, the only thing that's wrong is when they skip the real doctor yeah and just go for the alternative yeah so, i mean it's no problem if you take the real medicine first and then you go to the alternative route maybe yeah. that can help you maybe that can be it a can psychological yeah. yeah and also even if i think even if it's not even if i don't believe it maybe that person can feel better because they feel like they're doing everything they can and, and yeah maybe they get calm mm -mm. and you know maybe i did oh i did try acupuncture when i was pregnant yeah because this was towards the end and I really wanted to accelerate the process. I wanted to give birth. So I was walking in the stairs. I was eating dates. I was uh, doing all these, you know, advices, advice that you yeah. hear that's not really from the doctor, but it's mm -hmm. just this silly advice that might, might have or might not work. So I did acupuncture, but I don't know if that worked. I gave birth like two days later, but I would have, I, that's not, I don't know if that's the reason. I didn't yeah. feel anything. I just thought it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But I don't know if that classifies as alternative medicine. No, I don't think it does. Uh, well, I think it's in different countries, a little bit different. Yeah, that's yeah. just like a tradition, or yeah. a Chinese tradition. Or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -mm. Some people really like it, but I don't know. Mm -mm. For me, it didn't feel, I didn't feel any. I just thought it was really uncomfortable mm. with the needles. Yeah. Have you tried it? I also tried it when I was pregnant. It was supposedly to get me more relaxed, but then uh, they put one on the top of my head, like, and I could feel this needle in my skull. He was going to do that to me. I stopped. And it. I'm I like, was don't like, go there. No, I was like, seriously, this is the. Mo I was so irritated with that hand because I could literally feel this needle scratching on my skull, and I was like, oh. I don't feel relaxed. <laughs> get it out <laughs> and when i was giving birth to one of my kids i can't remember which one and they were coming again with these needles i was like get out <laughs> I don't in the hospital <laughs> what i was like get these that's needles so out of my strange face. yeah that's something they do in the hospital yeah they offer it like if you want oh. as a you know you it's can, like a distraction well just to when you are um uh, before the push contractions, you know, then in that phase where you're waiting for the dilation or what's mm -hmm. called, right? So 
yeah, I thought it's, it's nice that you are uh, offered different solutions, you know, but I was like, get this needle out of my face. So do you think Marta and Durek are going to get married in Norway or LA? God, I don't know. I it's going to be scandalous, what, however they do it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So uh, what do you think about uh, Paris? I love Paris. So what is your favorite thing to do in Paris? Eat. <laughs> I love eating. We've been eating a lot. We've been eating a lot. But they have so much good food here. The baguettes are so good. The baguettes are out of this the, world. There, it's impossible to find this kind of baguette anywhere else in the world. Yeah. There's just a special quality to it. Vive la baguette. Yes. We. Oui. Oui, oui. <laughs> yeah, the baguette. I had oysters. We live in Montmartre now this time. This, this is, is a very nice area. area. Recommended yeah. to everyone. This is smaller streets. Yeah, very cozy. A little cozy. bit calmer, cozy. A lot of nice shops and cafes. Yeah. Yeah, we could have just stayed here yeah. all weekend. Yeah. I like that because I don't like going to Paris and I'm stressing around in taxi all day. No. You can't do everything in one weekend, so you just have to come back. Absolutely. Just, my favorite is just to walk around in the streets and then stop in a cafe and sit like we did. Like, yeah. And you sit with your back against the wall and you look at people. Mm. My favorite people watching. Yeah. yeah. Well, my biggest recommendation because the the show yesterday at Mona Rouge was just the wildest show I've, I've experienced. That was I beautiful. Highly recommended. So if you are going to Paris soon, make sure to book at Mona Rouge. Do it. The queen is dead. Long live the king. <laughs>